Well, good day to you all, dear ones, and welcome to this 19th day of February, day 50 in our journey through the Bible. Hello to everyone out there. My name is Hunter. I am your brother and your Bible reading coach. I'm just somebody who shows up with you every day to spend a little time together in the pages of the Bible, and we are going to let the pages point the way to the person of Jesus the one in whom we live and move and have our very being, the one who has included us into his very life, the one who is worthy of all praise and honor and thanks. And I am thankful that you are here with me today and that we can do this together. It's going to be in the book of Numbers today, Numbers 5 and 6, and then on to Psalm 22, And we will finish in Acts chapter 26. This is the word of the Lord. Numbers chapter 5. The Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Command the people of Israel to remove from the camp anyone who has a skin disease or a discharge, or who has become ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person. This command applies to men and women alike. Remove them so that they will not defile the camp in which I live among them. So the Israelites did as the Lord had commanded Moses and removed such people from the camp. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, men or women, betray the Lord by doing wrong to any person, they are guilty. They must confess their sin and make full restitution for what they have done, adding an additional 20% and returning it to the person who was wronged. But if the person who was wronged is dead, and there are no near relatives to whom restitution can be made, the payment belongs to the Lord and must be given to the priests. Those who are guilty must also bring a ram as a sacrifice, and they will be purified and made right with the Lord. All the sacred offerings that the Israelites bring to a priest will belong to him. Each priest may keep all the sacred donations he receives. And the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Suppose a man's wife goes astray and she is unfaithful to her husband and has sex with another man, but neither her husband or anyone else knows about it. She has defiled herself, even though there was no witness, and she was not caught in the act. If her husband becomes jealous and is suspicious of his wife and needs to know whether or not she has defiled herself, the husband must bring his wife to the priest. He must also bring an offering of two quarts of barley flour to be presented on her behalf. Do not mix it with olive oil or frankincense, for it is a jealousy offering, an offering to prove whether or not she is guilty. The priest will then present her to stand trial before the Lord. He must take some holy water in a clay jar and pour it into dust he has taken from the tabernacle floor. When the priest has presented the woman before the Lord, he must unbind her hair and place in her hands the offering of proof the jealousy offering to determine whether her husband's suspicions are justified. The priest will stand before her holding the jar of bitter water that brings a curse to those who are guilty. The priest will then put the woman under an oath and say to her, If no other man has had sex with you, and you have not gone astray and defiled yourself while under your husband's authority, may you be immune from the effects of this bitter water that brings on the curse. But if you have gone astray by being unfaithful to your husband, and have defiled yourself by having sex with another man, at this point the priest must put the woman under oath by saying, May the people know that the Lord's curse is upon you when he makes you infertile, 
causing your womb to shrivel and abdomen to swell. Now may this water that brings the curse enter your body and cause your abdomen to swell and your womb to shrivel. And the woman will be required to say, Yes, let it be so. And the priest will write these curses on a piece of leather and wash them off in the bitter water. He will make the woman drink the bitter water that brings on the curse. When the water enters her body, it will cause bitter suffering if she is guilty. The priest will take the jealousy offering from the woman's hand and lift it up before the Lord and carry it to the altar. He will take the handful of flour as a token portion and burn it on the altar, and he will require the woman to drink the water. If she has defiled herself by being unfaithful to her husband, the water that brings on the curse will cause bitter suffering. Her abdomen will swell, and her womb will shrink, and her name will become a curse among the people. But if she has not defiled herself and is pure, then she will be unharmed and will still be able to have children. This is the ritual law for dealing with suspicion. If a woman goes astray and defiles herself while under her husband's authority, or if a man becomes jealous and is suspicious that his wife has been unfaithful, the husband must present his wife before the Lord, and the priest will apply this entire ritual to her. The husband will be innocent of any guilt in this matter but his wife will be accountable for her sin. Number 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, either men or women, take a special vow of a Nazarite, setting themselves apart to the Lord in a special way, they must give up wine and other alcoholic drinks, they must not use vinegar made from wine or from other alcoholic drinks, they must not drink fresh grape juice, and they must not eat grapes or raisins. As long as they are bound by their Nazarite vow, they are not allowed to eat or drink anything that comes from a grapevine, not even the grape seeds or skins. They must never cut their hair throughout the time of their vow, for they are holy and set apart to the Lord. Until the time of their vow has been fulfilled, they must let their hair grow long, and they must not go near a dead body during the entire period of their vow to the Lord. Even if the dead person is their own father, mother, brother, or sister, they must not defile themselves, for the hair on their head is a symbol of their separation to God. This requirement applies as long as they are set apart to the Lord. If someone falls dead beside them, the hair they have dedicated will be defiled. They must wait for seven days and then shave their heads. Then they will be cleansed from their defilement. On the eighth day, they must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will then offer one of the birds for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. In this way, he will purify them from the guilt they incurred through contact with the dead body. Then they must reaffirm their commitment and let their hair begin to grow again. The days of their vow that were completed before their defilement no longer count. They must rededicate themselves to the Lord as a Nazarite for the full term of their vow, and each must bring a one-year-old male lamb for a guilt offering. This is the ritual law for the Nazarite. At the conclusion of their time of separation as Nazarites, they must each go to the entrance of the tabernacle and offer their sacrifices to the Lord, a one-year-old male lamb without defects for a burnt offering, a one-year-old female lamb without defects for a sin offering, a ram without defects for a peace offering, a basket of bread made without yeast, cakes of choice flour mixed with olive oil, and wafers spread with olive oil, along with their prescribed grain offerings and liquid offerings. The priest will present these offerings before the Lord, first the sin offering and the burnt offering, then the ram for the peace offering, along with the basket of bread made without yeast, 
the priest must also present the prescribed grain offering and liquid offering to the Lord. Then the Nazarites will shave their heads at the entrance of the tabernacle. They will take the hair that had been dedicated and place it on the fire beneath the peace offering sacrifice, after the Nazarite's head has been shaved. The priest will take for each of them the boiled shoulder of the ram, and he will take from the basket a cake and a wafer made without yeast. He will put them all into the Nazarite's hands. Then the priest will lift them up as a special offering before the Lord. These are the holy portions for the priest, along with the bread and the special offering and the thigh of the sacred offering that are lifted up before the Lord. After this ceremony, the Nazarites may drink wine again. This is the ritual law of the Nazarites, who vow to bring these offerings to the Lord. They must also bring additional offerings if they can afford it, and they must be careful to do whatever they vowed when they set themselves apart as Nazarites. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. May the Lord bless and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. Psalm 22 For the choir director, a psalm of David, to be sung to the tune, Doe of the Dawn. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. You are holy and throned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads, saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. Do not stay so far from me, for trouble is near, and no one else can help me. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. O Lord, do not stay far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword. Spare my precious life from these dogs. Snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. 
I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow before him, for royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Bow before him, all you who are mortal, all whose lives will end as dust. Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. Acts 26. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You may speak in your defense. So Paul gestured with his hand, started his defense. I am fortunate, King Agrippa, that you are the one hearing my defense today against all these accusations made by the Jewish leaders. For I know you are an expert on all Jewish customs and controversies. Now please listen to me patiently. As the Jewish leaders are well aware... I was given a thorough Jewish training from my earliest childhood among my own people and in Jerusalem. If they will admit it, they know that I have been a member of the Pharisees, the strictest sect of our religion. Now I am on trial because of my hope in the fulfillment of God's promise made to our ancestors. In fact, that is why the twelve tribes of Israel zealously worship God day and night, and they share the same hope I have. Yet, Your Majesty, they accuse me for having this hope. Why does it seem incredible to any of you that God can raise the dead? I used to believe, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison, and I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them, I even chased them down in foreign cities. One day, I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priest. About noon, Your Majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me, in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. And so, King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove that they have changed by the good things they do. Some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this, and they tried to kill me. But God has protected me right up to this present time so I can testify to everyone, from the least to the greatest, 
I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead, and in this way announce God's light to Jews and Gentiles alike. Suddenly Festus shouted, Paul, you are insane. Too much study has made you crazy. But Paul replied, I am not insane, most excellent Festus. What I am saying is the sober truth. And King Agrippa knows about these things. I speak boldly, for I am sure these events are all familiar to him, for they were not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa interrupted him. Do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? Paul replied, Whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except in these chains. Then the king, the governor, Bernice, and all the others stood and left, and they went out and talked it over and agreed. This man hasn't done anything to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, He could have been set free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. And now may our Lord, who sets us free, may he now give his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. It seems crazy to everyone, but Paul is speaking the sober truth. To most people, the idea of a dead man being raised to life seems crazy. But Paul says, why does it seem so incredible? that God can raise the dead. To Paul, this is the sober truth. There's nothing crazy about it. And when we believe in this sober truth and trust the risen Christ, he sets us free from the inside out. So Paul, the prisoner, stands before this crowd and says, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except for these chains. He has chains but he is the freest man there. The irony is that at the end of this speech, Agrippa and Festus and all the others walk away, and their final comment is, he could have been set free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. Unfortunately, they weren't sober-minded and couldn't see that the freest man among them was Paul. He had been freed of the guilt of his former life, where he had overseen the death of Christians and had persecuted Christ himself, He had been free from the self-righteousness that blindly led him to that kind of life. He may have been in chains, but Paul was sober and free. Through the resurrection, you have been included in the sober, free life of God. Live a sober and free life. Don't let religion come in and entangle. Don't let your past come in and chain you up anymore. Live like Paul in the reality of what is, what is true about all that God has done in Christ, not only for you, but for the whole world. You are sober and you are free. Live in it. That's the prayer that I have for my own soul this very day. That's the prayer that I have for my family, for my wife and my daughters and my son this very day. And that's the prayer that I have for you this very day. May it be so.
Let's continue now in a time of prayer. Feel free to read along with these prayers in the show notes of today's podcast and meditate on these words that are being spoken over you, your family, and our world. And now, let us pray. Lord God, Almighty and Everlasting Father, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power, that we might not fall into sin or be overcome by adversity. And in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth, and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far and those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold, pour out your Spirit on all flesh, and hasten the coming of your kingdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Lord, grant that I might not seek so much to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in the giving that we receive, in the pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in the dying that we are born unto eternal life. Amen. And now as our Lord has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to thank you for joining me today in our time through the scriptures and in prayer. It's important that we do things together as followers of Christ, and I am grateful that we're doing this together. And this thing that we do every day is the result of that togetherness. It is sisters and brothers who've come alongside Heather and myself and said, hey, we want to be a part of this. We want to partner with you to make it happen, Hunter. And so I want to send a shout out to Barbara Brevetti and Shelly Tobias, to Bob and Sue Bastiani, and Denise Williams, and Scott Borens, and Kristen McClellan. Blessings to you, my sisters and my brothers, for showing that togetherness in some real amazing ways. If you're listening today and you would like to join together with this happy group of folks, man, that is so appreciated and it is so needed. 
And a way that you can do that is by clicking on the donate link in the show notes of today's podcast right there on your phone. You can also go to the webpage, dailyradiobible.com. Click on the donate link there. Or if you're old school and you prefer to use the U.S. Post, you can reach us at Daily Radio Bible, 2748 Northeast Molini Way, Hillsboro, Oregon, 97124. <laughs> well, hey, we've done it, friends. We have done it again. And I plan on being back together with you again tomorrow. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Your brother plans on being here. Until that time, let's go forward in God's joy. Let's let his joy be our strength. And let us always remember this. Oh, God, help us to remember it. Help us to have it sink down deep into our bones. This amazing declaration that you are loved. No doubt about it. Alrighty, I'll talk to you again tomorrow. You guys take care.